Howdy, everybody. Welcome to another BP Movie Journal. I'm David. I'm Tyler. We're not Bax. saying last names? Bax. David Okay, Bax. all right. Smith over here. Yeah, okay. Um, Smith, coming at you. Uh, <laughs> uh, and there have been changes, speaking of our names, to our to my Twitter. Yeah, I, I know. know if we should, talk, should we talk about it here on the main show? Uh, main show. All right. Uh, let's just, uh, I can't say let's get into it. That's for the yeah. main show. Let's let just it, talk let about us, it. Let us begin. Let, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, lay it out. Well, what, what have you seen recently? <laughs> I don't like the phrasing of that. Um, so uh, first off, actually, I would like to ask everybody, if you haven't already, do me a favor. Go to podcastawards.com. You only have until the 24th to do this, but you can do it every day. Go to podcastawards.com. Scroll on down to the religion section. You'll see a podcast called More Than One Lesson. That's mine. So if you wanted to help me uh, win this thing, probably won't, but... It'd be nice if I did. So click on that and then scroll on down and enter your name and email address. And uh, you have officially voted for more than one lesson for a podcast award, and I would greatly appreciate it. By the way, there are other categories there as well, but as neither David nor I have a podcast nominated in them, uh, they can go straight to hell. Yeah, they can go jump in the lake. Yeah. If they want See, to, they can go fly a kite. Yeah. They could take a long walk of a short pier. There we go. They can go fuck themselves. That's yeah, an option. I didn't want to go too uh, salty. Okay, uh, sorry about that. Why don't you start? What, what have you seen recently? All right. You, so, you have no list in front of you. I don't. You're I was, flying I've been, blind. Uh, yeah, I've been going by my... You're it, like uh, on that Kerber uh, Enthusiasm episode when Jeff doesn't bring anything to read on the plane. Okay. Do you ever see that one? I think I might have. And Larry's right? like, you don't bring anything. He's like, no, I just like to sit. <laughs> That's and right. the plane takes off and Jeff Garland's just like sitting there pleasantly <laughs> looking straight ahead. Yeah. Which, by the way, is very much uh, kind of a retread of Putty on the plane when he's sitting next to Elaine and he's just, st- except he's not pleasant. Like, uh-huh. he's not unpleasant. It's just a dead-eyed stare <laughs> straight ahead and it drives Elaine insane. Anyway. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I saw a nice blend of new and old movies. I saw... Uh, focus. Did I talk about that last time? I don't remember this when the last the time we did where this. William H Macy gets glasses. That's the one. Yes. So that he can take part in a in an elaborate con job. Right. So he's teaching Laura Dern how to be a glasses wearing con artist. Absolutely. You 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 remember the movie I'm talking about, right? Laura that Laura Dern. I don't remember. There's a movie called Focus with William H Macy and Laura Dern. I did, I forgot Laura Dern was in it. We I remember it together, you and I. No, I went and saw it alone, and you did not go with me. Well, I watched it. Maybe you watched it with me. That's that's when true, I rented the DVD yes. months later. I forgot Laura Dern was. In. I remember Meatloaf was in it. That I don't remember. <laughs> I barely remember what it was about. I remember not liking it very much. Yeah, it's it's really heavy handed. Although William H Macy is really good in it, but um, no, I saw second billing, and I don't have um. Laura Dern. I'm sorry. I know you love Laura Dern. I friend. do. I do too. Actually. Um, she's wonderful and wild. Anyway, um, she, and oh. she's wonderful and wild. Oh yeah. Oh, I was at Coral Cafe in Burbank the other day, and in walks W. Earl Brown, and I didn't have any uh, business cards. Had I had them, I absolutely would have said something. Yeah, I don't know. Did I ever tell you my W. Earl Brown story when I worked at the ArcLight? I guess not. At the gift shop. No, I don't he, think so. He and a lady friend, maybe a wife, I don't know. I okay. don't know what his situation is. We're perusing the gift shop. They've picked out some things to buy. We're in line. And I think he 
recognized that I recognized him before he got up to the counter. Okay. And he said to his wife, I'm going to go get the car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So maybe, maybe it was a good thing I didn't have a, a business card. Or maybe I just give off, give off a creepy vibe. That's true. I'm, I'm a little iffy right or now. Or I did when I worked at the Arclight because he probably thought I was a Scientologist. And then I was going to try and recruit him. Is that Scientologists how it works? own the Arclight. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, it's, I mean, I don't think it's public, but everyone knows. Everyone who works there knows it's, uh, it's Scientologists. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Um, yeah, so I saw, I saw focus. Uh, sorry, there's some people checking in right now. Yeah, hard to focus. So, well, uh, David, I'm a big fan of a good con artist movie. And is this a good con artist movie? For a good portion of it, yes. Okay. Uh, specifically, there are certain sequences that are, I would venture to say, great. Like, genuinely great. Everything that a con, con artist movie should be, and so rarely is. Hmm. There's, a, there's an extended scene featuring uh, underrated actor B.D. Wong, who I think is always dependable. Yeah, I like him. Um, and who I just found out is going to be in Jurassic World, which I'm kind of excited about. Um, they got to bring back somebody, I guess. Right, yeah. But I mean, I, that's the first thing I thought when I when I saw that it's like so this character really didn't learn the lesson at all no not at all (laughs) my guess is they just waved a lot of money in front of him anyway um but yeah there's a scene with him as just this this gambler uh that is uh constantly tempting will smith to uh to place really really uh uh stupid bets and it's a really like I would recommend seeing the film on that scene or that sequence alone. Mm. I really, really liked it. Uh, the performances are all, are all really solid. I will say that I got a strong Tom Cruise vibe from Will Smith in the sense that the way we talk about Tom Cruise is the way I think I should start talking about Will Smith. Like he's very much a pro. He's dependable. He has a certain on-screen charisma that when he turns it on, it's like, wow, I can't picture anybody else in this part. Um, so I like that a lot. There are a couple little moments here and there. Um, one part, unfortunately, is featured in uh, the trailer where you see... I didn't see it. Okay, well, that's good. So you see... But you're going to describe it anyway. You're going to ruin it for everyone listening. You know what? Maybe I won't. But I'll just say it involves a henchman that we haven't really seen. Okay. Uh, we've seen him a little bit here and there, and then suddenly he takes... He's front and center in the film for about three minutes and it's really great and gerald mccraney is in it dependable as always Uh, i kind of like the late career surge he's had probably ever since deadwood yeah like i think deadwood then house of cards i think people see him as like a very dependable heavy um Mm. and so yeah it's a it's a movie that it's it has some twists at the end that it's like all right yeah i got it um but up until then i do enjoy was was uh gerald mccraney in he was in one episode of the West Wing. Was he Leo's former like Vietnam yes. commander who yeah. let him know that all he, wars that, are crimes that he killed civilians that Leo didn't realize? Yes, that's him, right? That's a great scene. That is a great scene. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Focus is a movie that I, I really enjoyed. It's not great, uh, but when it's working, it's it's working very very well. So if you like, if you're a fan of the genre, which I am, then uh, I'd say seek it out. Okay. Uh, it's no Spanish prisoner, but then what is? How does it compare to the the Edward Burns Dustin Hoffman one? Oh, confidence. Uh, that I never saw that one. It has its moments. Okay. You know, it's one of the. That's one where I don't know. That one is so. It's James Foley. So visually, okay. it's really interesting. Really interesting use of color. How but does it compare to Matchstick Men? Similarly. Yeah, that's too bad because I'm not. I a like fan. it. I like it more. 
but it's it has a similar quality to it. All right. Um, I saw a movie by one of my uh, favorite currently working and somewhat underrated filmmakers. His name is Benoit Jacot. Okay. Uh, the film is called Three Hearts. His uh, previous film, Farewell My Queen, I think either made my top 10 in 20, uh, 2012 or close to it. I remember you mentioning it. I feel like it was pretty, pretty high up there. Um, and uh, he's made a, a number of other films. I would definitely recommend checking out his um, 1995 film, A Single Girl. Sorry, A Single Girl, which um, is a showcase for Virginie Ledoyen, who at that point was not, I don't think, she became known in America for the beach, right? That oh, was okay. like, you know what I'm talking about? The French girl on the beach? Uh, that, yes. Um, she's been in other stuff. Uh, but, um, yeah, definitely check out A Single Girl. Check out Farewell My Queen. Um, this movie is called Three Hearts. It stars, uh, among others, um, Charlotte Gainsbourg and Catherine Deneuve in a somewhat thankless role. She's kind of, uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say wasted, but she's not, uh, you know, she's Catherine she's Deneuve. A little, she's a little inebriated, is what you're saying. <laughs> right. Uh, and what I like about the movie Three Hearts and what a lot of people it has not gotten great reviews so I feel like I'm in the minority here a lot of people felt that it was it it's a little it's, it's very melodramatic and depends a lot on coincidence um, but I like the idea that it's essentially a comedy or romantic comedy pre- uh, premise that is not played for that mm-hmm. but because of that premise it's still funny like I would still I still think of it as a comedy even though nothing about the presentation and especially not the music which is very foreboding um they just plays as the a score comedy. from eyes wide shut <laughs> it's more it's closer to inception in the terms that it has these like very oh foreboding like 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 you know uh, these strikes I don't know I don't have the vocabulary to talk about music okay um the premise is this guy is a uh, tax man uh, living and uh, working in, in Paris, and he has to go out to um, this uh, country town near Paris, takes, mm-hmm. takes a train out to, to do some work, and he's supposed to be coming back the same night he misses his train. So he's walking around looking for a hotel. He meets Charlotte Gainsbourg. They have this before sunrise type like walk, and he never, he, he never goes to a hotel. They walk and talk all night. And she t- brings him to the train the next morning, and they uh, foolishly, instead of exchanging numbers, just agree to meet the next weekend in Paris. Okay. Um, she comes to Paris the next weekend. He uh, is rushing to get out of work to meet her at their meeting place, and he has a heart attack in the parking garage. He survives it, but he never gets to meet her. Right. And she thinks he's stood her up or whatever. He starts finding excuses work-wise to go back to this small town constantly looking for her. He doesn't meet her, but he ends up meeting another woman at the tax mm. office in the other small town. That's the third heart of the title. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, they uh, fall in love. He ends up moving out there, like transferring to the the country office out mm-hmm. there um, and moving in with her. They make plans to get married, and then he visit, they go to her mother's house, played by Catherine Deneuve, and that's where he sees pictures of her family on the wall and realizes this is the sister of the woman that he had oh. fallen for all this time ago, who um, ran after being stood up, went back to her old boyfriend, and has now moved to the States. That's why that's the, that's the why they haven't met before. That's yeah. why he could be with this woman for month, months and not know what her sister looks like because she's moved back, moved back to the States. Um, yeah, there's a lot of farce in this. Uh, yeah, uh, but it's – and, and I, I just really um, – enjoy the fact that it's not played for that but it still is funny because it's 
like you said, it's just farcical in its yeah. Uh, and and uh, I mean, Jaco knows he's making something kind of funny because just the fact that these two women fall head over heels with this guy who's like just an everyman like, yeah. there's nothing remarkable about him it just the fact of that is played uh kind of for laughs okay um anyway i i you know i guess i'm biased in general because what i is, like all is, of uh, logico a feral my queen a single girl those are the big ones he also did the school of flesh with okay. isabel huper from 90 97 something like that um which is not his his best but uh, i would definitely check out Farewell, My Queen, and A Single Girl, if you are unfamiliar with the works of Benoit Jacot. Now, I know that we don't have a whole lot of time for this, but what has been the negative feedback? Like, what what don't people like about it? Uh, that it's very, that it's heavy-handed and that it um, relies way too much on, on coincidence, which it does. Oh, okay. Uh, That's a thing but, I tend to be bothered by. But you know what? If it's, if it's an inherently farcical premise, I'll accept it all day long. Yeah, but it could be I, – I could be making excuses because I like this filmmaker. Okay. Who knows? Okay. All right, what's next for you? Uh, next for me is Neil Blomkamp's Chappie. Okay. Uh, yeah, basically, um, my other co-host, Josh Long, was going to talk about it on another podcast called Real World Theology. And, uh, it's about the theology of the MTV reality series, The Real World? That's the one. That's the one. Uh, and so... I'm glad someone <laughs> finally made that joke. I'm sure they. I'm sure no one has made that joke about that series, I that, that no podcast doubt. before. Um but yeah, and so I decided I would go with him for uh, moral support. And you know what? I'll say this. Uh, so, you know, the trailers happened. And then as the lights went down, I had this moment where I'm like, ah, shit. I'm about to watch Chappie. <laughs> like, I just had this moment where I'm like, man, maybe this isn't going to be worth the two hours. Uh, I'll say this. It's uh, way better than Elysium, which, as you may remember, was my least favorite movie of that year. Um, it's very similar maybe a little too similar to uh not maybe it is too similar to uh district nine it's incredibly overwritten um neil blomkamp is i've said this before about somebody like james cameron neil blomkamp is a good story by guy whereas (laughs) it should be screenplay by and then somebody else's name um william goldman william goldman get him in there he'll he'll do fine uh but what i'll say is that (laughs) Neil Blomkamp is a very capable director when it comes to action, when it comes to getting good performances out of actors, um, and just creating a world. One of the things, I'm certainly not the first person to say this, it sounds strange, but the very fact that I just immediately accepted Chappie and these other robots in as a part of this world, mm-hmm. not unlike the prawns in District 9. That's an offensive term. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, what were they officially called? Uh, aliens. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, but... You know what? You know what I mean. Like the, whether it be a practical effect or a, uh, which I'm sure it wasn't, or a visual effect, he managed to make it so not flashy that I just at no point did I think, oh, I'm watching a special effect. I just accepted that, and that's real. And I think that's something. That's something to hang your hat on. And so I think along the, given that, I think he probably will make visually at least a very good alien movie. Uh, I hope he doesn't write it himself because good God, I have to assume he's going to <laughs> like whale and Utani will be front and center and it will be an absolute waste of time. But, um, but I, I, I wouldn't say I liked Chappie. Um, it starts to explore certain things and then stops before it actually explores them really in depth at all. And it, that, that's the thing that bothers me is that have you, 
I mean, I kind of feel like Christopher Nolan's this is this a little bit where somebody is great at action. And I think Neil Blomkamp is great at action, but he seems almost embarrassed by that fact. And so we'll try to shoehorn in this, uh, this more serious stuff, but seems to do that only enough to kind of placate his own sense of, uh, conscience. And so, so he won't go all the way with it, nor will he remove it and just let it be an action movie. So it winds up being kind of in this weird limbo. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's not a terrible movie. Um, I'm not sure if I would recommend it, but there's a lot within it to recommend. I've once again forgotten the name of the uh, African rappers, Diantnord. Diantvord. Diantvord. Yeah. Okay. Diantnord. That's what I say. Um, Diantvord. Okay. So. Ninja and I forget their names. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I'd written it down. I'm sorry. Uh, who cares? Because they're not good. Oh, yeah. You know what? That's not true. I'm sorry. They actually play all the beats emotionally that they're supposed to. I believe that their characters are feeling these things. Uh, one of the things that gets me, though, is the character of Ninja. Now, I recognize he's written this way, so this is clearly how I meant to see him. He is an absolute scumbag who I want dead horribly <laughs> within the first, I don't know, two and a half minutes. Like, he's a monster. He's basically a monster. And then when we're told, when it's, I was like, oh, this is the guy we're following. We're supposed to be on board with this guy. Ugh. no, thank you. Uh, but that's just a that's a I would say that's a picky point, but he's in the movie a lot. So anyway. So I got distracted. Oh, OK. How long have we had this Sennheiser E835 mic? That's the most recent one. That's yeah. uh, when that other one started uh, audibly crackling within the mic, which is a weird concept. Yeah, uh, we got that new one. OK. Cool. Didn't you buy it? I think you're right. I think yeah. I did. I think I forgot that it was a different brand than our other mics. We got the yeah. we got like most podcasters, we got the blue mics. Yeah. That seems to be the podcast go to. Um but we got this Sennheiser here that I I, I guess I'm not I guess I, it doesn't usually end up in front of me. So I guess I'm just that's like true. looking at the Sennheiser logo. When, when we, we record the actual episode, should. we can throw it in front of me if it's gonna distract you that much. Yeah, we should pawn it off on the guest. There you um go. <laughs> All right, next up for me. My favorite movie of 2015 so far. I'm I'm very curious. Yes, Kenneth Branagh's Cinderella. Yeah, it's delightful. I would sit down and watch it again right now. It's uh, on on the short list of things I'd rather be doing than podcasting. That's one of them. It's a short list. What else is on that list? It's like a picnic with my wife. Maybe. Okay. Uh, so that and watching Cinderella, I would assume, are the two. Yeah. I mean, okay. There's probably some that I don't want to talk about on the podcast. Oh yeah! High five. I did not high five. <laughs> Theater of the mind, David. Come on. Um, so yeah, Cinderella is. Uh, it, it's. I think. I'm so glad that it's not like a. Total reimagining of Cinderella. It's yeah. not like let's update this for a modern audience. I mean, it sort of fleshes out some of the not. I mean, it fleshes out even the wrong word in some ways. It it, it draws out some of the story beats to to fill a longer runtime but uh it 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 does everything it it, it buys into the sort of um the longing and wish fulfillment of the story and doesn't apologize for that you know what i mean as opposed to something which i didn't see but something like maleficent which tried to really reimagine that story yeah uh which i didn't see either but um that's my understanding yeah but i uh but speaking of that uh, Melissa, Maleficent is a movie about the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Kate Blanchett as the evil stepmother yeah. is, um, you know, when I was a little kid, I thought stepmother and stepsister just meant like mean because <laughs> I only knew it from Cinderella. Yeah. Um, not a high rate of divorce and remarry in my family. So Indeed. I didn't like have, I, I didn't know any of them. I didn't have any stepmothers or stepsisters around. Um, anyway, that's when I was a little kid. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Kate Blanchett's fantastic. And the movie really focuses on the relationship between Cinderella and her stepmother, I think more more so than other That's other nice. tellings, um, and it, uh, it 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 plants these ideas like um, Cinderella's mom is played by um, Agent Agent Carter. Um, what's her name? Haley Atwell. Uh, is that right? I don't know. Okay, you know who I'm talking about. Yes. Though. Uh, for a minute, I, when for a minute I thought Haley Steinfeld. No, and I was like, that's different. not her. Yeah. Um, and she has these sort of these dying words to Cinderella. Her guidance is "Have courage and be kind," which mm-hmm. sounds like a broad platitude. But what I like about the movie is that it takes them seriously, and it 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 shows that being kind, uh, in some ways, does come quite naturally to Cinderella because of her upbringing when the fairy godmother appears to her as a you know a, a beggar woman essentially mm-hmm. she doesn't hesitate to say yeah let me get you some milk something to drink something to eat uh but it also shows how the the you know she's not just this like stoically suffering martyr when the her stepmother and her stepsisters are mean it hurts her mm-hmm. um and she has negative feelings about them and it, and lily james lets you see that sort of cross her face yeah uh, and then make make the decision to have courage and be kind, which I think is something that's I, I played very, that. very, it's played very subtly, but I, I, I like that that's part of it. I'm sure I have said this story many times before. It's one of the best acting choices I've ever seen. It was, I have seen a Christmas Carol on stage many, many times. My favorite one was at a small theater in Denver. Um, I guess it wasn't that small, but it wasn't like a main stage big show or anything. And, uh, you know, there's the part at the end where Scrooge is like, I say, boy, what day is it? All right, that kind right. of thing. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the, uh, the street urchin, uh, says like, he responds with, with a question that is like a bit annoying to Scrooge. Mm-hmm. And he has this moment where he's like, he's like, what you, and he starts to react and then stops, calms himself down and then reacts. Uh-huh. And I love that because so, so often in movies, and and plays and stuff like this you just see like okay the transformation has happened or they're they're a good person now the end but of course being good requires a number of choices every single day and so and when he did that i was like that's great i had never seen any version of that any any version of scrooge like that before so but that's great um and yeah, all these things, all these things are great about Cinderella. But really, if you just want to look at Dante Freddy's amazing production design, Sandy Powell's amazing costumes, Patrick Doyle's beautiful music. Oh yeah, it's it's just a lovely, lovely movie with a lot of laughs in it. I gotta uh, see it. Uh, yeah, Lily James is great. Richard Madden is great. Who like actually gets to play some comedy, which after moping through his time on uh, on Game of Thrones, uh, I mean, I like Rob Stark and everything, but he's not a character who was comic relief hmm. like. Richard Madden gets to be a little lighthearted and funny in this, uh, and does and does a good job of it. It's got a great cast all the way all the way through. Um, uh, Stellan Skarsgård is in it. I like that. Um, and uh, also, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, the clothes. I, I don't have I, I don't have much of a vocabulary, I guess, for um, women's clothing. But um, 
the Kate Blanchett's outfits, which are I use not just to be. I mean, they're beautiful to look at, but the way that they compare to Cinderella is Cinderella is a very sort of uh, loose and free and blousy and gownish, mm-hmm. and um, Kate Blanchett's uh, costumes are very structured and tailored, yeah. um, and they come from different eras and sort of represent like her hard edges. Even though the tailored, structured look is something that I think is cooler, and I'm definitely more into Kate Blanchett, but that's also maybe an age thing. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, Anyway, moving on. All right. Um, <laughs> Weird way to end that. <laughs> yes. I'm really into Kate Blanchett. Moving on. Yeah. Uh, okay, so next for me, uh, you know, I'm going to put two movies together. Is that okay? That's fine. We gotta, All right. We got to motor through this. Because uh, over More Than One Lesson, as always, we've been working on working our way through the best pictures. And so uh, since we're incorporating uh, movies that we've seen before, I'll say uh, we covered the best picture of 1987 and 1986. Uh, 87 being The Last Emperor, which I had never seen before. 86 being Platoon, which I had only seen once in high school. Uh, You've seen Last Emperor, right? Uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's marvelous. I haven't seen the long version you did. Yeah, I... uh, It was only available at the library, and uh, then the only disc in there was the TV version, which I didn't realize until I started watching it and saw that it was a solid hour longer than I thought it was going to be. Uh, but boy, uh, I didn't care cause it was beautiful. I loved the structure. It was paced perfectly fine. It never felt like, Oh, Hey, this is, uh, this is starting to drag. Uh, I, it's a story that I think is fascinating. I like the instinct to tell it because the film is certainly an epic, but kind of in this weird backwards way in that it's this guy who, who's everything around him is epic but his story is actually not and so um and it's a very tragic story it's a very sad one but it's uh but it's one that's worth examining it's uh if and one thing that we've talked about on more than one lesson in regards to these best pictures especially once we got into the 80s and in the 80s you had a lot of uh sort of big epic type of things uh and for example, the next one up is out of Africa, which I don't care about. And I'm <laughs> who knows? It might surprise me, but, uh, but yeah, last. And so, and I've seen Gandhi and no, thank you. Um, Amadeus is great. I love Amadeus, but, um, but last emperor, I think I had just sort of assumed that it would be just one of those long meandering who gives a shit kind of things, <laughs> but it was vibrant and vital and exciting and so listeners if you haven't seen uh, seen it uh, seek it out so then there's platoon right. which i had seen before in high school and then i rewatched it the day that we uh, recorded and i'll say that one is i loved it in high school and i think i still love it now um i was shocked or maybe i shouldn't be given the nature of the movie i was shocked how much i remembered hmm. um considering i hadn't seen it in probably 16 or 17 years. Um, but when I, I mean, it was, of course it's a very harrowing film, but I think it might be one of Oliver Stone's most down to earth movies, especially like once you see, like once the, once the nineties hit, he really Mm -hmm. started going kind of crazy in a good way with like editing choices and that sort of thing. When you look at JFK or Nixon or certainly natural born killers, like it's miles away from what 
you know, platoon looks like a merchant ivory film compared to those. Uh, but it's a, it's a really, it's a really wonderful film. It's, it's, uh, and the other thing that I really like and that we, I try to mention where I can is the sound design is wonderful as it should be. Like just, it's the sounds of the forest. And these are characters that are constantly, you know, they've got their head on a swivel. They're just constantly listening for anything that might be a little bit out of the ordinary. So every little twig that snaps, every bug that, uh, that, goes by their head like it all is given a specific noise and it's uh so it's it's a very rich sound is this a blu-ray you watched no i watched it streaming oh okay so and i'm sure if i watch it on blu-ray it'd be even better. but in, in hd though is what i'm saying yes yes and so um yeah it was uh i'm sure at this point i feel like platoon is a movie i wonder if in your opinion when i say platoon what do you think of <laughs> It's, well, it's been a long time since I've seen it. Yeah. I think of um, the part where they beat a guy's brains out with a rifle, with a rifle. Yeah. And then I also think of the joke in The Naked Gun where they come out of the movie laughing and then the, <laughs> and then the camera pans up and you realize they just saw what's <laughs> Do you remember that part? Uh, I don't. It's like but in that's their dating, funny. the dating massage. <laughs> that's m- right. Monta- m- m- uh, montage. It shows them coming out of the movie and they're like falling over each other and laughing. And then <laughs> it was platoon that they. That's did, so. very funny. Um, but yeah, do you think of a movie that like you feel like people should see or people need to see or anything like that? I'd have to watch it again. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I feel like for a long time I, I thought yes, this is a very, very. I I certainly think it's one of the best war movies of all time. But I think okay. up until Saving Private Ryan, I think I would have said, oh, it's the most realistic depiction of huh. war. And then for, I think I just because we hadn't seen like the first 20 minutes of Saving Private Ryan, we hadn't seen something quite like that before. I think Platoon got sort of pushed to the side in my own mind. Watching it again, it's rough. I mean, it's okay. I don't know. It's it's just such a different kind of war yeah. as well. When I think so. of Vietnam movies, I think of Full Metal Jacket first, but that's because I've seen it more more times. OK. And I actually I think. The first half of Full Metal Jacket, I think, is where it shines. Once it gets actually to Vietnam, I think that's where it becomes like so many other movies. Okay. In my opinion. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> I did not care for that at all. <laughs> well, I, I feel like we don't, we, we have we a hard out time today, for that. So, okay, yeah. Um, I saw, oof, um, a movie that I didn't like very much, despite its fantastic cast. Uh, it's directed by Pierre Morel. It's called The Gunman. Oh, okay. Um, or the Gunman. There guess you go. If I if I'm going one way with like your Batmans and your Spidermans, yeah, I guess I got to go the other way. Yeah, when something's supposed to be said like that and call it Gunman. Earlier, you described a character as a as a taxman, and <laughs> I would have liked if you'd said taxman. Taxman. Yeah, I should have said that. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Sean Penn is the Gunman, uh, and <laughs> which was just, an early name for Punisher, I believe. <laughs> it's I it's got it's sean penn it's javier bardem Mm -hmm. ray winstone um idris elba i feel like i'm even like leaving uh leaving some out it's got this 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 all-star cast it's this globe-trotting movie but it really feels like um i'll be writing a review tonight so i'm probably gonna actually use this but uh this this line uh, or this description it feels like someone storyboarded this globe hopping spy type movie mm. with like the, all these 
fantastic like European and African locations. Yeah. And shot there. And then they came up with a story afterwards because it's so thin. Yeah. Uh, and it also, uh, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's dreary, but like the kind of thing I'm talking about where like, there's a part where, uh, Sean Penn has to go meet someone in a, and he's like, names a location, meet me here. And then there's this shot of Sean Penn in his like suit and dark glasses sitting on a carousel waiting for someone. Like the carousel is filled with the kids. And yeah. it's just like, it's hilarious because there's no need for it. It's clearly yeah. someone thought, it's almost like someone thought this would look cool in the trailer, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so he's just waiting on a carousel. And the guy shows up and he gets off the carousel and they just stand there and talk. It's like, what were you even, why did you have to be on the carousel? Yeah, it does uh, seem like a pretty conspicuous choice. <laughs> yeah, especially with Sean Penn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> the last person you expect to see on a carousel. Um, but also, uh, I don't know if a movie, it seems like they set out to say, let's make a movie that flagrantly fails the Bechdel test. They're not like it's a movie like platoon obviously takes place in a realm where there aren't women around for most of it. That's one. There's no reason like they, there's one woman in the movie. She is, she exists solely to be put in peril. That's the only reason she exists. Uh, No, uh, no Joan Allen in the born movies here. uh, Right. Yeah. There's nothing like that. She, she doesn't have any agency of her own. She's either like, half naked or crying or trembling in every every scene it's uh really it's really a shame um i mean the it was something i was going to see because i was curious about it because i don't think you need to see it i mean there's there's some uh if you like action there's some good stuff the when it finally finally gets i mean i guess it's called the gunman so it's mostly gun stuff when it finally gets to some real hand-to-hand stuff at the end it's Mm -hmm cool and it's like sean penn you did it like you yeah he clearly bulked up for this he spent a lot of time with his shirt off and he yeah. like worked you know worked out for for the movie it looks fantastic when he, when it gets to the hand-to-hand stuff it's good but it's just not worth everything leading up to it plus it ends in barcelona at a bullfight and then there's a big thing in the credits reminding you barcelona is an anti-bullfighting city and has no, no bullfights have taken place there in years it's like well then this is all just bullshit then no yeah no no points in it um why do you, let me ask you because the first thought i had when i saw the the trailer or even just the announcement for the gunman is why is sean penn doing this because but i guess that's what people way, thought about liam neeson yeah it's the same director is yeah. taken uh as was from paris with love which was john travolta's attempt to be to be that i never saw that one yeah but i think it's yeah certain like he also produced it um, and co-wrote it, I believe. And co-wrote it, yeah. yeah. I mean, based on a novel. But I think, I I honestly think that, yeah, actors, middle-aged actors or late middle-aged actors see what happened to Liam Neeson. Yeah. And they're like, I could I could handle that. I could do with some of that. Yeah. And are, and are trying and like, I guess just, just not striking twice there. It honestly just didn't seem to me like Sean Penn would have been one of those actors to say that. Yeah. And I mean, you know that I'm not a huge fan of Sean Penn. But, um, but yeah, it's... Uh, it just kind of confused me. But you know what? I'm still curious. Um, all right. We got to move. Okay. Uh, so the last thing that I saw was, uh, which uh, it's crazy. I'd seen it before, but there were scenes as I was watching it that I was like, I don't remember seeing that. And uh, the original uh, Vanishing. Oh, which I've uh, never seen it. There is a little, I'll lend it to you. It's really great. I love it. Uh, it, it is certainly a, a nice precursor to something like Funny Games. Um 
but yeah, do you know the story of it? I won't go into it. Um, not, I mean, I know the basic premise. Okay. Uh, yeah. And it's just, and actually I have also seen the remake directed by the same guy, but clearly the stu- the American studio was, uh, giving him some notes that he apparently did not have the option of saying no to, uh, specifically, Hey, let's make this maybe the happiest ending that could ever be after one of the most fatalistic endings, uh, that could ever be. Um, but yeah, it's just what I like about it. There's a nice clinical quality to it. Uh, it's a thriller that really doesn't have a lot of suspense. It's more just the, the frustration of the, of the story and of the characters and just the fact that you're watching it unfold. And yet somehow I, I was looking at reviews and I think Roger Ebert said that like, it's like you feel on the edge of your seat, even though you're basically being told everything. Um, but there's just something, it's almost like you're on the edge of your seat because you so badly don't want this to be true, but it is. And in that, re- in that regard, I felt very similar to, to funny games. And so, and I remembered a lot, you know, I, I don't remember when I saw, I think probably back in college. And, um, and I remember liking the acting a lot. I like it even more now. I think it's pretty amazing on the part of everybody. Um, you know, when I think when I was younger, I was looking at sort of the villain character and really focusing on him and thinking, oh, wow, he's doing a great job, but everybody does a great job in the film. And so listeners, if you haven't seen the vanishing, seek it out. It's really great. Uh, it got a nice new criterion Blu-ray, release um i i purchase it every every almost every time that there's a like a criterion uh what a flash sale or something like that um i use that as an opportunity to literally purchase things i haven't seen before and just giving it a try so i bought hmm. the devil's backbone oh that's i a bought good. high and low because i'm turning into quite a kurosawa fan and i like the idea of I haven't seen any movies of his that take place like in the modern day and then i bought uh the vanishing and and I was happy I did, and I was happy I rewatched it because there are there are entire sequences that I did not remember seeing. Okay, I saw Oscar nominated uh, documentary directed by Vim Vendors, "The Salt of the Earth," which okay. is about the photographer uh, Sebastião Salgado. Those like Brazilian Portuguese names are difficult for me to pronounce sometimes. Okay. Sebastião Salgado, whom I I was I was aware of his work and a fan of his work, and it's almost I guess you come to things the way you come to them, right? Mm. But the way I found out about Sebastio Salgado is that I was a big Smashing Pumpkins fan in 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 high school, and the video for Bullet with Butterfly Wings is inspired by his um, photography of the Brazilian gold mines. Um, so I, I guess that's kind of corny, and it's also like weird that the pumpkins sent sent like set their video in this place where people break their backs all day for, you know, carrying sacks of gold up and down these huge, like rickety ladders, uh, and yeah. built into the earth. Um, anyway, but the movie is fantastic. It's, it's beautiful. It when uses, did he make it? It's just last year. Um, really? It's just, just, it's finally getting a theatrical release. Oh, okay. Next week, but it was nominated last year for, oh, okay. uh, for, an, uh, for an Academy award. It was one of the nominated documentaries. Now you're making me second guess whether it was nominated, but I'm pretty sure it was. It was at least. It's entirely shows. possible it was, and I just forgot. Um, and yeah, it, so it sort of tracks this guy who I think that's that stuff that he did in, in Brazil in the eighties um, is his most famous work. But he went on to document a lot of um, 
human toil and eventually eventually human suffering when he got to like Rwanda Ethiopia and Rwanda mm-hmm. I and mean, he was in Rwanda in 1994 like during the 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 genocide and sort of got uh I guess a soft way to say it would be burnt out but the real way to say it would become would say he became completely disgusted with humanity and um sort of retreated back to Brazil and started this like um, nature foundation um, where they replanted 600 hectares of rainforest mm. uh, and then finally he got back in so after about 10 a little under 10 years off he got back into photography but into more nature and landscape photography because that's where it changed and so you see they tell the story of his career and they tell his life too but it's really his career chronologically so you you know go along with him mm-hmm. uh, in this journey. It's full of beautiful uh, beautiful images and is a very nice documentary that actually takes you to some pretty deep places and then ends up giving you some hope about the world. Um, I also, I'm glad we're out of time because I don't know what to say about this movie. I saw the new Tom Anderson film, the guy who made Los Angeles Plays Itself. Yeah. It's called The Thoughts That Once We Had. It's, I, I can't, well, I like Los Angeles Plays Itself. I can't wait to see it again. But I mostly can't wait to see it again because I don't know how to describe it. Okay. He basically like, took a couple of books written by one guy whose name I forget about the history of cinematic language and the history of cinematic imagery and basically strings together clips from movies with quotes from the book. And it's not, whereas Los Angeles plays itself was very straightforward about what it's about, you know, constantly telling you, uh, what it's, um, uh, what its theses are, theses right. are, and stuff like that. This is a more of an obscurist type work uh, that I would need to. I fi- I kind of think I wonder if this works better as a supplement to the books that he's quoting. Mm-hmm. You know, if I would read these books and then watch it, if it would um, gel more for me. But that's not to say I didn't love it. I loved watching it. Uh, that's it for movies. I feel like there's some TV we should hit on real okay. quick. Um, uh, we do we uh, our guests here, so we can't uh, spend any more time. Um, but I wanted to talk about, I know I already forgot where it was, uh, something, oh, togetherness ended on a high note. I know I'd been back and forth all season mm-hmm. on it, but I really liked the finale. Um, and so after hating the pilot and hating every other episode for eight weeks, now I'm really looking forward to the second <laughs> season, uh, cause it ends on a cliffhanger and Did a well-earned one. you find yourself angry? They're like, damn it, I was ready yeah. to write you off. <laughs> yeah. But when you got Melanie Linsky and John Ortiz in your show, yeah. like, you know what? You're going to get some good stuff. Um, and then the jinx, which I don't want to, I guess I don't want to, you can't spoil it at this point because yeah. the news has spoiled it. Uh, but um, people, people watch the jinx. It's, I wrote a whole thing on the website yeah. that I'm actually kind of proud of. And I wish uh, I've been tweeting it out a lot because I want people to read it. But I mean, I guess don't read it unless you've seen the jinx. Um, but yeah, check out the jinx. It's so good. It's so interesting. It's fun when you, fun is a weird word, but like, you know, stuff like the thin blue line and paradise lost. And when you see that film specifically documentary filmmaking can actually make a difference in the world, you know, and stuff like blackfish. Um, I don't know. It's very exciting when you, when you're able to point to something and say this injustice was corrected as a function of this thing. Um, and maybe, maybe with the, maybe the jinx didn't have that much of an impact on it, but I feel like it had <laughs> complete impact on it. Um, yeah, I, well, I mean, the, it. um, the LAPD said that their arrest of him, they're claiming it's not based on the actual evidence found in the film, but they erased, arrested him one when, when they did because they knew what was going to happen in the final episode and they 
thought that he might run. He might huh. be interesting. He might go on the lamb once he saw what happened in the final episode. And so, uh, that's so fast. Like literally <laughs> so that, law enforcement. And in this case, like the, the alleged criminal are, <laughs> they're basing decisions based on the reveal of something almost as if everybody, including the cops are like, I want to see how this plays out before <laughs> we do anything. Um, man, that's fascinating. Yeah, I guess I got to watch it. What a bummer. Um, and then, um, I wanted to mention the show Archer. Okay. I know you are way behind on you. Oh yeah. I'm I'm in like season two. Okay. Well, after not liking season five, um, season six has been hit or miss, but a couple episodes in a row now have been really good, including one that is a contender for one of the all time great Archer episodes called pocket listing. Um, that is so crammed with jokes and it is, the ensemble comedy that Archer is when it's at its best. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think that's one thing that TV does is, I mean, the show is called Archer. You think, Oh, it's going to be about this guy. Yeah. But as the show went on, I mean, you've seen the early seasons. Yeah. Like, I think they discovered what they had in this, in this diverse voice cast and these characters they created. And yeah. it became more and more of an ensemble comedy. Um, and the early part of the season was kind of going back toward the Archer, hmm. Archer only thing with the, the 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 other his coworkers being the B or C plot every week, but Pocket Listing is an ensemble episode. That's a mission episode, which I always think they're at their best when they have a mission. Uh, I always enjoy the horrendous casual violence when they go on a mission. <laughs> okay, yeah, like okay. when they're having a casual conversation and just destroying their enemies. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's part, of, and also things happen. Uh, you know, Ray sustains at least one major injury every okay. season, yeah. uh, and he does lose a hand in pocket listing, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and maybe a piece of his sanity. I don't want to uh, <laughs> spoil too much, uh, but yeah, the show's been great, and it's also this came up on Hey, Watch This. But of all the shows to do this right, the fact that it's Archer uh, floors me, but. So many shows, when they introduce a kid, the kid is just there as a plot thing and then is convenient, mm-hmm. f- conveniently forgotten for episodes at a time, right? Yeah. You know this – you've seen this trope. Like, yeah. Togetherness did it. They're just like, uh, let's just assume they have a babysitter for this episode. Well, it I won't mean, be mentioned. It won't be seen on screen. Even The Simpsons does it with Maggie right, uh, yeah. pretty regularly. Um, whereas even though Abby Jean, the, the baby that um, is the product of Archer and Lana, I guess. I'm not sure how to – they didn't she used his sperm without his knowledge to ah. impregnate herself um but now he you know there uh, this baby is a part of their lives and even when abigene is not in the episode the fact of her mm-hmm. hangs over uh, archer as a character and lana as a character and their decisions and it's uh, it's fantastic i'm really glad that archer has returned to if not not necessarily consistently returned to its best mm-hmm. but has returned to being a really good show okay any more tv for you yeah, I watched the uh, first two episodes of the next of the recent season of Community on Yahoo Screen. Is that what it's called? Okay. Um, and I know you're not a fan of Community, uh, and obviously the show has changed significantly over the years. Um, but I enjoy I, to its cre- to its credit, and it would have no choice but to acknowledge that it is a different thing. And you have the characters themselves trying to figure out what are we now? Like, what what is our group dynamic? Uh, and so I think it handles that pretty well. I think a lot of the jokes land. Um, there are two additions to the cast. Padgett Brewster, always a step in the right direction. And Keith David, there's that extra step. Uh, right. 
and both of them, Padgett Brewster is still not, she as an actress is of course great, but they're still trying to find where her character will fit. And I think they're finding it pretty quick. Keith David only showed up in the second uh, episode and apparently he will become a regular. And it is to me fascinating how an actor like Keith David can, has such a clear comic voice. You would never, you would never think it. I mean, when you see where his career started, he was in platoon incidentally. Um, when you see where his career started and that he is so regularly used comedically and that he, he does it perfectly. It, I can't, I can't even, uh, I can't even describe it. I'm, I'm excited to see more of him. Uh, like, uh, friends of the show, Josh Fadum and Pat Healy were in something I think called Murdoch, a thing oh, on yeah. Funny or Die. Yes. And he's the, the, the captain, the police captain, and he's great in that. He is. That's and a good so, uh, so I'm excited to see where it goes. I was, I was pa- watching with a lot of trepidation, but it, I wouldn't say it won me over completely, but I'm certainly going to keep watching. Um, Paul wanted, was considering Community being his pick for uh, Hey, Watch This this week, but I convinced him to go with iZombie instead. I've watched the first few minutes of iZombie, and I made the right choice. iZombie, based on 10 minutes of it, yeah. is fucking awesome. And that's, uh, we'll talk that's, more about it next week once I've actually finished watching the pilot. Well, and that's saying something, considering like at this point, like what what can they do new? With zombies. Do you know the premise of iZombie? I do. Okay. And, yeah. and, I, and I'm saying like, it's like, okay, well, they, they found something, yeah. which is nice. <laughs> but uh, by the way, have you seen Warm Bodies? I forget. I never have. No. I think you would like it. Yeah? Yeah. I have never liked one of that director's movies. He what did 50-50. What was the last one he did that I that I didn't like? I don't remember. Yeah, 50-50 was not good. Uh, God, what, why am I drawing a blank? Now I have to do this on air now. Can you vamp for a second? You got anything to say about uh, warm bodies see. or what's in the news today? Um, let's talk politics, everybody. <laughs> what do you think about this uh, election, this re-election of Netanyahu? I don't know. I've got, I have my opinions. What are they? I'm not going to tell you because I don't feel like getting any emails just because I'm vamping. Uh, let's see. Oh, okay. An Never interesting mind. thing about Amazing Race. I didn't. Uh, warm bodies was was the last one. I thought there was something else after that. Okay. So I didn't see fifty fifty. And I guess that's the only one of his movies that I've seen because I didn't see the wackness either. So I've made my decision about this So you this saw 50-50? Uh, yeah. Okay. And you didn't see Warm Bodies. I think you would enjoy Warm Bodies. Okay. Yeah, well, it has to be better than 50-50. All Fair right. Fair enough. Uh, that's it. Uh, thanks. Bye. Bye.